706. Ready for you, ready for us. Hope so. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is always the number. Want to give us a call, have a severance package in front of you, employment questions, uh, termination questions. It can all be answered here over the next hour. Lior's got the answers for you. you probably got some time now since you're not uh, wallowing in Raptors misery tonight. You can pick up the phone and talk to us. I don't want to talk about the Raptors. Not tonight. I know you don't. Maybe next week. No, you don't. We'll get to the severance pay calculator as well first, as we always start to eat show before your phone calls with the week that was. That's right. And that's, that's all. Remember, this is talk radio, so it works better and best with people calling us. Or We're here to take questions, find out about workplace rights, your questions at work. Maybe you lost your job or you're wondering whether the situation that you're in is a legal situation. Call us right now. We're here till uh, 8 o'clock. And to kind of get us started and warmed up, uh, I'll talk about two situations that I actually dealt with this this morning, mm-hmm. actually earlier today on Wednesday. Uh, the first situation, I spoke with the gentleman that lost his job. He was a salesperson, and he uh, was entitled to a salary. His salary was $80,000 a year, but he also earned commissions. And in 2015, which was his last year, he, he earned 170000 nice. total, so about 90000 roughly in, in commissions. Now, he was uh, let go uh, for restructuring, nothing bad that he did. Uh, he worked there for two years. The company had offered him six weeks salary. So the severance that he was offered was six weeks salary. And he called me wanted to know if that was appropriate. So there were two major problems. The first problem was the fact that six weeks for him was not enough at all. He was 54 years old. For him, I assessed him as being entitled to six months compensation. They offered him six weeks. He's entitled to six months. But that wasn't even the biggest problem here. The other big problem is that they didn't include his commissions. So they calculated six weeks on the basis of $80,000 a year salary. They did not include the $90,000 a year commissions that he got. So the delta, the difference between what he's actually owed in the eyes of the law and what they've offered him was over $75,000. Hello. So that discussion that he and I had, he was referred to me by a former client of mine, uh, was worth $75,000 because I was able to tell him this is not a good offer at all. And many of our listeners are going to be in that same situation, unfortunately, when they lose their job. They may not have $90,000 a year commission, but they may have other commissions that they're owed or a bonus or a car allowance or benefits or pension. And all those have to be included as part of severance. And oftentimes employers don't realize that they have to do that. And they'll say, we'll only pay you your salary. And forget about the other components of compensation. That is wrong. That's a big deal. So our listeners need to understand that when they lose their job, they're owed compensation based on their total elements of compensation, salary, bonus, commissions, et cetera. And for this gentleman, $75,000. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. What else you got? A second, a second matter I'll tell you about, the very different, uh, very, very different situation. Uh, I, I received a call from uh, a gentleman. Uh, he had worked for a company, and every year he was receiving a bonus, about $35,000, and it was always paid right at the end of February. Uh, he received the, that bonus every year like clockwork. Now, he also signed an employment agreement at some point that said that to get this bonus, you have to be employed on the day the bonus is paid. Ah. Fine. He wanted to quit his job. So what he did is in mid-February, he gave him notice. I'm quitting at the end of February. I'm, I'm giving you two weeks notice. At the end of February, I'm gone. And the reason he did that is because he wanted bonus. to get his bonus. Sure. He knows he gets his bonus at the end of the month. He'll leave at the end of the month. No problem. This year, for reasons unknown, not related to his departure, the company decided to pay the bonus in March. So what happened was 
he was he left at the end of February. The bonus was paid in March. Stiffed. And the company said, well, you know, you have an agreement that says uh, you have to be employed here on the day we paid, to, and we paid it in March. You weren't here, so we're not going to pay you the $35,000 bonus. He heard our show last week, so he called me today, and I spoke to him. And here's what I told him. I said, if there's a, a practice that every year you get the bonus in February. That becomes a term of employment. Now it's, it's an implied term that I work for you, you pay me a bonus in February. If this year they decide all of a sudden without notice, without explanation to pay it in March, that's a breach of the terms of employment. That's not something they're allowed to do because we've established this practice, this history. So guess what? Because they've breached the terms of employment, even though you are the one that quit, you're still entitled to this nice. bonus. So I'm now going to work with him on getting him this bonus. So very, very important for our listeners to understand that sometimes there are terms in the employment relationship that are not reduced to writing, but are just as binding. So any practice that's established, the way the parties deal with each other, timelines that are followed, those become terms of employment that they're enforceable and they're legal and no one can just breach them. So if your employer decides this year to do something different than it did in the past, it may not actually be allowed to do that. In this case for him, that's a $35,000 issue. Lots more coming up. We're going to take our first break. You want to call through? We'd love to hear from you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And you want to throw us a quick email, that's simple as well, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. 7.15, Wednesday evening. Yeah, use that phone number. Give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. Have employment questions, severance questions, all those things under that umbrella can be answered tonight. It could actually uh, be quite profitable for you if it's the right phone call at the right time, right? We've had people call in and save their bacon big time by calling in and talking to you. Uh, first, we'll get to this. So a tool you can use even while you're listening to us on your uh, your handheld, your tablet, on your computer, that severance pay calculator. So remember, John, before the break, I told you that I spoke with this gentleman and he was offered six weeks pay mm-hmm. and I assessed him as being owed six months pay, six months severance. So how did I do that and how can our listeners do that? Well, you, it's very easy. You, you Go to the tool that I created, severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and it's going to assess, it's going to tell you how much compensation, how much severance you're owed if you lost your job. It's really easy to use, completely uh, free, anonymous. It's, it's a really great tool, and you can use even if you're just curious. Maybe, you know, your, your neighbor just lost their job, and you're curious, how much severance my neighbor owed? Again, you can go to right. severancepaycalculator.com. It should always, always be the very first place you go to if you lose your job. I, you know, it's funny. We ran through it uh, this past weekend with my sister-in-law, and uh, she has worked for a doctor for about the last 26 years in reception. Wow. Never signed an employment contract. I said, don't quit this job. <laughs> Let him retire. Yeah. <laughs> Do not quit. Because you know how much is she owed, John? Uh, about close to 24 months, if not. Yeah, that's right? exactly yeah. right. So if the doctor has to let her go, probably right around two years pays what she'd be owed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, if she cannot quit and avoid that and, and wait it out and get her severance, hey, that's a great thing. Because doctors are great to, obviously, medical practitioners, but when it comes to knowing what to do when they let people go, they kind of, they're up there with car dealers. Yeah, You've you know, that experience, and, right? and it's not, it's not coming from any place of malice or anything no. like that. I just, you know, doctors are very good at what they do as being doctors. They're not so good necessarily as running the business part of uh, of their practice and not so good at understanding their legal obligations. That's just my experience. Not That's not true for everyone. Uh, and unfortunately, many situations I've seen dozens and dozens of times, people being let go from a doctor's office. You know, it doesn't matter, family doctors, chiropractors, dentists, uh, and 
being offered fractions, a small, tiny fractions of what they're actually owed. And remember, the law applies the same across the board. It doesn't matter if you work for a small company, big company, doctor, dentist, all the same. And again, and one a tool that you can use, of course, severancepaycalculator.com. Which is, a lot of these medical practitioners end up doing, you know, they hire you for that purpose to say, right. you know, what are my, what are my obligations? Yeah, I want right? to do it right. I want to comply with the law. And again, uh, I, I help employers. I help employees all the time. Got uh, Mark in Oakville. Good evening, Mark. Opening call. How are you, pal? Hi, good evening, gentlemen. Great to talk to you tonight. Thank uh, you. I've got a question for you that it's, uh, it deals with uh, people who, you know, this all this big thing about using pot and all that, and it's legal and stuff like that. Now, what about in the case that if a person is at a workplace um, and they're using heavy machinery and say, I mean, I, I would not want to see this happen, but say if all of a sudden a fatality happens because of an accident and the person who caused it was either on medicinal purpose marijuana or you know just regular marijuana usage now who would be responsible for the medicinal what would it be the company for allowing it and do they allow people to use medicinal marijuana at work i i i don't know if it's been covered or not but i've been kind of curious to know what who has rights sure no it's a, it's a good question mark ultimately a company should not ever allow anyone to work in a position where they can be unsafe or, or uh, create an unsafe environment, uh, no matter what happens. So they should not let someone operate heavy machinery if they're using marijuana, whether it's medicinal or otherwise, because right. operating machinery would be very unsafe, even if you have a prescription for it. The prescription doesn't make it any safer. So right. as, if there's a concern about safety and a company has a strict legal obligation, if despite that, maybe the company doesn't know and, and the person operates machinery and there's an accident, there's a fatality, maybe someone else gets, gets injured, then it's both the individual operating the machinery and the company that are going to be held liable. There could be a type, uh, essentially criminal, quasi-criminal proceedings. They could be charged with uh, offenses under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. So the bottom line for employers always is you cannot, if you're aware of someone not being able to operate machinery or not being able to do their work safely, whichever the work is, then right. you have to stop the, them from doing that no matter what. Uh, and uh, you, I've, heard, I've heard complaints, though, of people who do use medicinal marijuana saying that it, you know they're being... Uh, Discriminated against? Rights. Yeah. Like, well, what about the rights of other people out, out there, though? You know? Yeah, th th there's, there's no law in the world that would protect someone's ability to use medicinal marijuana over safety and the safety of others. Now, yeah. it's not. In some oh. situations, if I'm sitting in an office... Uh, stuffing envelopes, for example, then <laughs> yeah. you know what? If I'm, take, I'm using medicinal marijuana, I don't think my employer can say that's unsafe. But if I'm right. operating heavy machinery, no way uh, should I be allowed to, to, to do that. It's an interesting call because you think, you know, you just think that prescription, you know, or calling it medicinal marijuana, there's no such thing as, you know, medicinal Jack Daniels when someone's on the job, but it's, it's <laughs> also under there? the influence. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I get to more of your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll take a, a quick break. Lots more of the employment hour. Coming right up, 724, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell is the number to use. Neil, thanks for uh, hanging on through the break. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, pal. What's your question? No, I just had a question regarding actually my wife. She uh, worked somewhere 11 years, approximately 12 years, and she recently just lost her job. That was uh, an American company that was uh, that went into receivership in the States, but the Canadian division was operating profitable, but because it was run by them they shut it down so um they had lawyers come from michigan and just drop a letter at my wife's desk on a friday that she was terminated and uh they kept open for about another month to wind up their business and collect uh income from all their customers but there's no severance paid nothing it was just like you're done 
Yeah, so it's it's an interesting situation. The, the real question here is not whether she's owed severance. Of course she's owed severance. She could be easily be owed over a year's pay, maybe more than a year's pay. It's a question of whether or not the company is able financially to pay. Do they have the money? You know, like they say, you can't get blood from a stone. Exactly, now, yeah. because the it's a separate, it's, is it a separate Canadian division? They had, as far as I know, they had a separate Canadian division, but they shut it down. So shutting it down doesn't doesn't scare me simply because you, you can decide to shut down your business. It doesn't change your legal obligations. And business right. may also have other assets and money. They may have uh, accounts uh, accounts receivable. They may have equipment, well, materials. They, they kept open long enough to collect all those. Right. So, so you may actually still be able to pursue this. The only thing that okay. would prevent that is if the company here, the Canadian company, not the U.S. company, if they're in formal, uh, formal bankruptcy protection or creditor protection. I that, don't believe so, but I wouldn't know how. 100%, right? Well, but, the nice uh, thing is what I could do because there's a database for this. Once uh, oh, okay. I, I know I know what the company name is, I can search in the database and find if they are. Because if they are, yeah, nothing you can do. If they're not, yeah, we can right. absolutely pursue your wife and your okay. and her colleague Severance. So the best advice, Neil, is have her or you give me a call after the show. John will give you the number and we'll okay. talk. I'll get that information, search the database. And if okay. we could do something, yeah, we're in business. We'll do it. Neil, like I said, it could be the most important phone call you make tonight or this week, at least 416-216-5900. That's a number that uh, Lior just mentioned, 416-216-5900. Got uh, Igor. Good evening, Igor. Hey, guys. How are you? Good, pal. What's going on? Yeah, I just want to know, uh, right now I'm in a union environment. I've got 10 years under my belt, and we're expanding, and they don't want to have a union in the next yard. So I was just wondering what my rights would be. Sure, they, they, the company doesn't have want to uh, have a union? Yeah, in the next yard, in the future yard, which is in the near future, they don't want a union in that yard. So they don't okay. have much of a choice. No, they don't. They don't have much uh, much of a choice. The only way to kind of you know quote unquote get rid of the union is if the employees decide uh, themselves to, uh, to to decertify. So there's a process that the employees would have to file an application with the labor board and, and show that they have enough people that don't want to be unionized. And then the, the board may declare that the employer is free of a union. Otherwise, you know, the employer really can't do much about that. It has to be from the employees. Right. And, you know, generally speaking, you know, we talk about severance on this show, Igor. When it comes to severance, it is always, always, always far better not to be unionized than it is to be unionized. Because as a union employee, if, if you're let go, you're, you'd be entitled to a small fraction of what you'd be entitled as a non-union employee. Uh, and oftentimes it could be, you know, 10 cents on the dollar or even less than that. So I'll leave that to you and your colleagues to decide. If you decide you want to... Uh, decertify. You should contact the labor board. There's a process you have to go through. This is, you know, it's so surprising. And you know, I have I have relatives, family members that work in a union environment, and I know you don't deal with that stuff. But you know, so much of what's under their CBA, like their benefits and their overtime and their holidays, it's so robust. You think they would have covered the severance end of it too, but they don't. Why it, don't they? It, it's a trade off. Right. So the the trade off is you have more job security as a union member. But if it's a point where you lose your job, despite the job security, then you're going to get pennies on the dollar. So more job security, but if you are the, one of the unfortunate ones that will lose their job, you're not going to get anything near what you would get if you were not part of a union. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. John in Mississauga, good evening. Good evening. Thanks for taking my call. No worries. What's up? Um, just wondering if I would have a case here. I... Um, I I went to join a, well, I got hired as, as a apprentice through 
uh, the government, and I was funded through the government. And the company I, I got hired for promised me that after a year they would register me. And uh, after working for them for a year, I asked them again, you know, it's it, it's been a year, are you going to register me? And then uh, a month went by, and I asked them again, and then another month uh, went by, and then uh, they actually laid me off without uh, uh, registering me. Now, back uh, in February of last year, I got uh, into an accident, and uh, they hired somebody to kind of fill my shoes in the meantime, and he stuck around, and... I was the one now being laid off, and he's he's staying working with the company. Uh, so now, how long after you came back from your car accident were you la- uh, laid off? Uh, I was with so I was off for about two months. Yes, I came back, and then I worked for about another eight to ten months. And, and then, then they laid you off. Now, did they offer you any severance, John? Uh, no, they uh, only gave me EI. Oh, sorry, only EI. What? Yeah, like they, like when your I record of employment. Me. Now, now, when you were working, that they were paying you. You weren't being paid by the government. So the government paid half of my right. Uh, they they subsidized half your wages. Yeah, exactly. So first of all, John, uh, you're absolutely owed severance. How long total did you work there for the company? Uh, about year and two or three months. Okay, and, and how old are you, John? I'm 26. So you're owed about two to three months severance, okay? So that's how much you're owed. Two to three months pays what they owe you, uh, and that's what you can do. Ultimately, you can't do much about the fact that they decided to keep the other guy because they didn't let you go right after you came back from the car accident. If, you, if they let you go right after, there'd probably be potentially an argument that there's a human rights violation. What makes your situation a wrongful dismissal is the fact that they did not pay you the severance that you are owed. So your question was, can you do something? Absolutely you can. We can pursue that uh, severance that you're owed. We need to speak off air. I'll get some more information and help you with that. But yeah, you've been wrongfully dismissed, John. John, we'll give you that number one more time before I take a quick break. It's uh, 416-216-5900. It is 7.35 Wednesday evening here on the Employment Hour. Yeah, give that uh, number a call. Uh, we actually have some stuff to, to get through as far as the uh, show is concerned, but we prefer taking the phone calls and talking to you. We've got Mark and Barry. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. Thanks for having me on the show. No worries. Um, I'm a 50-year-old uh, gentleman who's been at one company for 30 years. Wow. Uh, looking to face a written warning or a performance improvement plan uh, later this week. Uh, do I have any obligations to sign this, or what, what are the obligations for me? A very good question, Mark, and actually something very important for our listeners to, to know and understand. So when a, when a work improvement plan, a performance improvement plan, oftentimes that's a step that an employer uses if they're thinking potentially of trying to push someone out. They, they want to be able to justify the decision, so they, they create this record. And one of the things they do is put a person on a performance improvement plan. Now, as a practical matter, there's nothing that you can do to avoid being on it, but I, what I don't want you to ever do is simply to accept that as gospel, to accept that as being true. So if they're saying, here's what you did wrong and here's what we need you to do to improve, if you don't agree with it, you have to make it very clear and very known that you don't agree with it. It's okay to sign that you've, you've received a copy of the document. It's not okay to sign that you agree with it. So in terms of signing, 
read what it says. It said, by signing here, you, you agree to the terms, or by signing here, you agree that you've received the copy. Not agree to the terms, and in fact, I would want you to send a letter, an email, something, which says, here's why I don't agree. Here's why you say that I've done something, and in fact, here's what actually happened. Now, if it's completely correct, and it's your bad, and you, you've, you've done what they said you've done, and it's all legitimate, then you don't need to worry about it. But I expected that after 30 years, you probably know what you're doing. And it seems to me that there may be something else going on here with this performance improvement plan. So no, I don't want you just to sign it that you've accepted it. I want you to, to make it clear exactly what your position is. I find it a little hard because uh, end of January, had a performance review. Everything's glowing. Yeah. All the previous ones in the past have been glowing. All of a sudden, in the last couple months, now I, I, my performance is not up to up to where it should be. So According to them. According to them, right. exactly. So. And now I, I'm going to get one this week, and I'm first time facing this, and I don't know what, what to do. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it doesn't, you don't just become a, a quote-unquote bad employee overnight, Mark. Clearly not. Th- 30 years is a long time. So there's probably something else going on here. Unfortunately, maybe it's, and again, I, I hate to say this because it's, uh, it's not going to make you feel good, but I've seen this hundreds of times where maybe the company is, like I said, thinking of pushing you out. So don't make it easy for them and don't even allow them to consider the idea of letting you go for cause. So the best thing that you can do, it's not even whether you sign it or not, it's about you putting your position uh, in writing on the record. So if you don't agree with the performance review, if you don't agree with the comments that they've made about what you've done, make that known, put that in writing, create a record uh, and uh, something that they can't just ignore. That's the best advice. If you do that, that's the, the only thing you could do. It's the best thing that you can do. What is the likelihood, though, of Mark, because he's a 30-year guy, now he's on this performance improvement plan, he goes through it, blah, blah, blah. At the end of this, they say, you know what? Still not satisfactory, we're letting you go. Now they're, now they're, they're, they're trying to do this with cause so they can avoid paying 30 years worth of severance. Do they stand a chance? Because he's been 30 years, been a stellar guy. Is there any likelihood of them being able to get away with it? Right. Absolutely not. Is okay. there a likelihood of them trying to get away with it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Keep that in mind, is, Mark. <laughs> if they're going to try to get away with it, Mark, you want to make it as difficult as possible for them to do that. That's why what I told you you have to do, which is put your position in writing on the record. And I already see a change in their attitude towards me. For sure. Just in the last three months. And I, there's no need for it. I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it is possible that they've decided for their own reasons, you know, that it's best to part ways. And they realize, wait a second, Mark is going to cost us two years severance mm-hmm. or so. So how do we avoid that or reduce that amount? Well, one of the ways they could try to avoid that, uh, even though it's not going to actually work, is to put you on a performance plan and then you know, say, well, you didn't do it, and now we're going to let you go for cause. So don't let them do that. Make sure that you're, you're on the record saying why your performance was actually fine and what they're saying is not correct. Seems kind of weird that he's an overnight pariah, right? It yeah, doesn't make any 30 years. Nonsense, <laughs> know, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a complete shadow. We'll get uh, Rob in here before we uh, take a break. Robert, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. Good. Uh, I'm just calling. Um, I worked for a restaurant as a delivery driver, and when I was hired, they made me sign a contract that I was a contractor. Right. And they paid me $6.50 an hour because they said I made tips when I made the deliveries. Right. And uh, about a year after, uh, they let me go, uh, not for cause, and uh, they said they had too many drivers. And uh, I was just wondering if I was entitled to anything. Well, yeah. First of all, uh, you know, the question is whether in the eyes of the law you were an employer or a contractor. What kind of hours were you putting in with them? 
I was doing about 20 to 25 hours a week. Were you doing any other work, other jobs? No. So this was, at that point, your only source of income? Yes. And obviously, it was kind of the same hours every every week? It was the same hours every week, and uh, uh, yeah, the same shifts every week. Yeah, so so guess what, Robert? In the eyes of the law, you're an, you were, for that period of time, an employee, very, very likely. So couple of things flow from that. Despite, by the way, what you signed saying you're an independent contractor, the law doesn't really care what you signed. The law is going to look at the reality on the ground. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're an employee, two things flow from that. Number one is 650 is less than minimum wage. Okay, number one. So uh, that's a problem for them. Number two is when they decided to end the relationship with you, they owed you severance. Uh, so it could be a couple of months pay. It could be even more than that. So, hey, give me a call off air. There's a paralegal that I work with in my office. She'll be able to help you, number one, get the severance, but also potentially get some unpaid wages that they owe you as well. So very important that, that, that you do that, Mark. It's a very good question that you've asked because a lot of our listeners are going to find themselves in the same situation where they're treated on paper as not being an employee, but in reality, at least in the eyes of the law, they are employees. How long ago was this, Mark? When, uh, Robert, when did you get let go? Like about uh, two weeks, three weeks ago, oh, okay. and uh, I kept uh, records of everything. Beautiful, that I good man. So, Robert, John's going to give you the number right now. Give me a call, and, and we'll talk off air, and we'll get this uh, resolved. Four one six two one six fifty nine hundred. That's a gold number. Keep it on you all the time. Four one six two one six fifty nine hundred. That will get you to Lior directly. And is Ari. 746. Still got uh, some minutes here if you want to squeeze in a phone call. We'd love to uh, to get a hold of you. love to talk to you. Some pretty interesting stuff coming over the phones. Uh, tonight, 416, yeah, 870-6400, star 640 on cell. Harry, thanks for hanging in through the break. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Um, thanks for taking my call. I just had a question re- regarding my work. Now, I'm working at a small company in North York. And I noticed that um, my boss does not acknowledge me as an employee. He's classifying me as an uh, independent contractor, which means that I'm not getting any benefits or I'm not basically having pretty much any rights um, working at the uh, company that I work for. And I've noticed that I'm not getting, um, when I work overtime, I'm not getting paid for that. Wow. Sorry? And uh, how long have you worked there for? I've been there for about four years. And you work regular hours, kind of nine to five? Uh, I don't. Uh, what's happening is right now that the company has been kind of slow, but they're not giving me a set schedule. So I'm pretty much, um, my hours are all spontaneously. And I've noticed that they're not really, like I said, acknowledging me that I'm a, I should be considered right. in the eyes of the law an employee employee, not a subcontractor. Yeah, and there's no question, uh, Harry, that that in the eyes of the law, as you've just said, yes, you are an employee. And the the, the problem there is the fact that we can now pursue this and push this matter through, but because you're working there, Mm -hmm. it's going to create a a conflict when you're there. I mean, for example, overtime, yes, of course you're going to be out overtime if he hasn't paid you because you're an employee, 
But for us to pursue overtime while you're working there may make it very difficult. So potentially, yeah. this may be a situation where we'd have to address, address if and when you're no longer working there. And with that, what I mean is, yeah. if at some point they decide to end the relationship with you, they're going to owe you severance like an employee, and they may not realize that. They may think they don't have to pay you severance because mm -hmm. you're not an employee, and that would be a wrongful dismissal. Right. Is a practical matter, Harry, to, to deal with this? I mean, you could deal with it now, but as a practical um, matter, you'd probably be better off to deal with this when the relationship comes to an end. Uh, as, as, uh, if you want to continue being employed, it's not a good idea practically speaking, to, to start legal proceedings against your current employer. Right, right. I mean, four years, it's, it's quite a long time it that is. I've been there. But four years have gone by, but I, now, like, I've noticed that they're not treating me the same. And I've noticed in my perspective that they're trying to um, say, well, this person doesn't exist here and they have no contract with me. That's what my boss told me. Well, th th that's wrong completely in the eyes of the law. The law doesn't really care what you put in writing with them. The law cares about, like I said before on the show, yeah, the yeah. reality on the ground. You know, if you work for them, you've been for four years, they set your schedule, etc., then you're their employee. It doesn't matter what they want you to be. So here's what I think you should do. Do your best. Uh, continue working. If they change terms of employment, reduce your compensation, reduce your hours, let you go you give me a call at that point, we can deal with it, get you the compensation that you're owed. Probably best to leave it to that point rather than deal with it right now. In the meantime, Harry, the number just in case, always throw it out there, 416-216-5900. Ed Caledon, good evening. Good evening, how are you? Good, pal, what's happening? Yeah, I was working for uh, an engineering firm in Toronto for about 16 years. Uh, I was very happy until about three years ago when they decided to send some work to uh, send some work to India. Okay. And then uh, things started getting difficult for me because I was getting blamed for work quality that was poor coming out of there, and I was getting the blame for it when those people in India were never reporting directly to me. Yep. And it got so bad to the point that um, I was forced to quit about three, four months ago. And I ended up going to work for the competition now, um, and mainly because in the last uh, few months, an opportunity came up, and one of the managers who was my former manager uh, that had made my life very difficult actually went around and started saying things about me that I didn't get the position. I was going to get the position. I had spoken already to several other management that agreed with me get in the position, but this person was uh, saying things about me and ended up convincing the managers not to give me the position. Uh, I was forced to basically find another employer. Right. So here's, uh, first of all, how many people approximately work for this company, Ballpark? About 1,200. Okay. So here's the thing, uh, Ed. Uh, if you can show that you were mistreated uh, and you were not uh, treated in the, the way that you should be, and because of that you quit, then you're entitled to severance. It's as if they let you go. We, we call that a constructive dismissal. Because you found another position right away, you've been there for about 15 years, I think you said, then yeah. you'd be entitled to around, right around 23 weeks pay, just shy of six months pay. That Those are your minimum entitlements because you found another position quickly. So, yes, if we can show that the reason you quit is because you felt you had no choice, they mistreated you, they, they put you in a very uncomfortable position, an unfair situation, there was a poisoned work environment, then you've been terminated and you're owed 23 weeks pay. 
So I obviously yeah, I, need to get some more information from you on that, right? Okay. Yeah, I filed a complaint with HR because of this, and I kept records of emails where perfect, uh, excellent, and abusive behavior was uh, coming to me. So listen, twenty-three weeks pay is going to be a lot of money. We need to speak off air. I'm going to obviously get some more information from you, the name of the company and, and other particulars, but let's pursue this. It's a lot of money that you're going to be owed. John, uh, give Ed the number, and I look forward to speaking to him. Ed, that number, 416-216-5900, all the time, anytime. Give Lior a call on that number. We'll take a short break, maybe get to another phone call or two and get to our last remaining minutes of this hour, the employment hour. Last few minutes here of the show. We'll get to an email that came through over the last hour. Again, anytime you want to send a, a Lior an email when the show's done, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Rob says, I was about to return back to work from a disability leave. My employer just told me that uh, my job is no longer available, but they have another job for me at less pay. Is this a constructive dismissal? Well, good uh, question, Rob. And the answer is, of course, it absolutely is a constructive dismissal. Anytime your employer reduces your compensation, gives you a job that's less than what your previous job was, either in responsibilities, prestige, compensation, that is a constructive dismissal. That's something the employer is not allowed to do. So it doesn't matter if it's uh, because you come back from a disability leave. The fact that you come back from a disability leave doesn't change that. Your employer still has to give you back the same job you had and the same terms. So given this situation, depending on, I mean, listen, if the pay increase is, you know, $1,000 a year, you're not going to be happy, but it may not be a constructive dismissal. But if it's a significant change, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave and get your full severance. So if that's what's happened to you, Rob, give me a call off air and, and I'll help you make sure you get your severance. Get to uh, Clarence here, probably last uh, call of the night. What's up, Clarence? Yeah, I was working for this company. But I'm a peace worker. I, I don't know if you handle cases like that. Yeah, were you, I, were you a unionized employee? I was union, yes. So unfortunately, uh, can help a unionized employee, uh, Clarence. Uh, it's only the union that's allowed to help a unionized employee. And again, for those that have not heard us before, uh, the reason for that is when you're covered by a collective agreement, one of the things the collective agreement says is that any dispute with your employer has to be resolved with the union, by the union. No one is allowed to help a unionized employee other than a union. So unfortunately, when I say to a unionized employee that I can't help them, it's not because I don't want to. Right. I, I would love to. It's because the law doesn't allow me or anyone to help a unionized employee other than a union. Before we wrap for the night and for this week, let's uh, re uh, revisit Severance Pay Calculator. I want us uh, all to remember if you, we lose our job, anyone loses your job that you know, your friend, your neighbor, your, your parent, tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. Find out, they should find out exactly how much they're owed. It's an extremely, extremely important piece of information. People leave uh, uh, money on the table every day because they don't know any better. They assume that the amount that they've been offered is adequate. Don't let that happen to you. Severancepaycalculator.com. And we'll see you next week. You didn't get any questions answered. You can go to terminationquestions.com as well. They will be answered there. It's a drop-down menu. Chances are it's already been asked. Until next time, yeah, the number for Lior is 416-216-5900. And the email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour right here at Talk Radio, AM640.